the box. You opened it. We came. <laughs> Music. <laughs> I found this gif of exactly that, and I love it so much. And I look at it all the time. <laughs> and I realized that it's from one. Yes, it it's is. From one. She yeah. thought somebody just made it out of I thought thing. somebody just created it. She thought it was the, yeah. And then when you were watching it last night, I was like, oh, there's my gif. to the New World Pictures podcast, where we're going to talk about every single movie released by New World Pictures. I'm Ryan. With me, as always, is Mark. Isn't this fucked up? And Erica. Isn't this fucked up? And joining us in this episode, it's our first guest on the podcast, and our first guest to return to the podcast. Woo! We're talking about our friend and New World Pictures super fan, Justin Grams, everybody. Welcome, Justin. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> he, now, Justin <laughs> appeared on our Tough Turf episode, and he proved oh, yes, that he did. is the number one fan of that mm-hmm, film. Mm-hmm. And then we trapped him inside of a box. That's right. And, and we, we hooked his body with chains and hooks. <laughs> and now he can't so, escape Erica, us. Erica, you're turning me on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh-oh. First time for everything. This, this is what he wants. Un- pleasure or pain. That's Angels right. or demons. And I'm sure he has uh, no doubt the same equal passion for this episode's subject. And we're talking about 1987's Hellraiser. I have seen the future of horror. His name is Clive Barker. He has the power to shock you, to grip you, to take you beyond the limits of earthly terror. Hellraiser. A film by Clive Barker. We have such sights to show you. Look it up. Imagine if Pinhead was a tour guide. <laughs> <laughs> Over here, there are paintings from the late 17th century. <laughs> I have such sights and paintings to show you. <laughs> oh. oh yes that's right we are talking about 1987's hellraiser on this special episode guys this is our two-year anniversary <gasps> we have been what? doing this show now for two years which is another reason why we had to bring justin back for our two-year anniversary because justin i mean quite frankly you might be the reason we've done this you might be the cause of all this madness and uh, we blame you so <laughs> Should I be represented well, by counsel at this meeting? Or? Yeah. Also, yeah. the second anniversary gift traditionally is cotton. And, you know, Justin, oh! Justin's 100%. He's 100%. That's right. He's so, bringing the cotton. That's right. <laughs> well. <laughs> because 
We're talking about Hellraiser. It's written and directed by Clive Barker, who's making his directorial debut. This is probably not facts to anybody who's ever seen it. Uh, it's not his screenwriting debut, though. Um, he actually co-wrote the screenplay for Underworld. Uh, not that Underworld. Uh, A.K.A. Transmutations. <laughs> and uh, also Rawhead Rex, which was based on his own short story. Hmm. And it may have actually been that set, that Rawhead Rex itself that made him go, oh, you know what? I, the next time out, if I'm going to do another movie, I want to direct it. So I want to be the one to do it. So maybe that's what led him to do this. Uh, it stars Andrew Robinson as Larry Cotton, who was probably most well-known even at that time for playing the Scorpio Killer and Dirty Harry. Uh, Claire Higgins as Julia. She's known mostly as a stage actress at that point. Um, but this was, I think, maybe her second movie. She had another movie she had been in. Um, she's never seen the movie the whole way through. And hmm. she's never really been in any other real horror films after the sequel hmm. to Hellraiser. Um, she's not a big fan of horror films. Ashley Lawrence is in her big screen debut as Kirsty. Just another uh, element of this movie to me that is reeks of being British. Because Kirsty is the British Christie <laughs> in my eyes. Um, but, uh, but anyway. And she will continue this character not only in the next a Hellraiser, but also in a further Hellraiser. So she keeps mm -hmm. coming back as uh, Kirsty. Kirsty's um, thirsty. Uh, <laughs> Kirsty for Cotton. Hellraiser. Kirsty uh, Cotton. <laughs> uh, Kirsty, a name that uh, that when our daughter was reading a book with the name Kirsty in it, I kept saying the name is Kirsty, and she kept reading it as Christy, and she was like, Kirsty, what kind of a name is Kirsty? <laughs> <laughs> so I bring that commentary to yeah. this podcast. Outrage um, runs in the family. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you get that from? Um, anyways, let's now we've talked enough about Hellraiser. Let me find out what this movie is let's about. Let's talk so we're about gonna... our next movie. <laughs> yeah, we've talked enough. That's it. We're done. That's it. Let's move on. Um, what is this movie about? Let's go around and find out. Mark, we'll start with you. What's this movie about? Some guys are willing to overlook a lot in order to get laid. <laughs> yeah, sure. Justin? What, <laughs> that's what, it. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> I wondered if there was a follow-up. <laughs> I thought there might be a follow-up. No, All right, I, Justin. It's a very what, stoic answer from me. <laughs> Mark is very stoic this episode, everyone. Um, Justin, what, what's this movie about? I mean, it's about nailing your brother's bride on her wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> he's not wrong i mean not wrong. he's not wrong yeah. not wrong that's true erica what's this movie about i mean it's simple ryan the box you opened it we came <laughs> that's what frank that's did it. yeah that's done it. and done that's it you know what i agree with, on all those counts but if i must give my own answer i'm gonna say look this movie is trying to teach you a lesson and that lesson is if you hire movers or you purchased a brand new mattress let them do their job. You don't need to try to be a good guy that's like, oh, I'll help. Let me also, also carry it up, even though there's two of you. And it's yeah. a single mattress. And it's a two-person job at best. And we don't need, you don't need me. But you're trying to be like, no, 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 no. I'm not one of those guys who orders stuff and then doesn't help out. Like, no, just let them do your job. You're paying them for this service. Okay? That's fair. That's, that's fair. That so, is absolutely true. Yeah. That was Clive's Every, vision. I, <laughs> that was his vision. I think <laughs> that's all take, he was thinking. If you take all of our commentary right there, you basically have summarized the entire movie. The rest of it is just as I like to call filler. Yeah. It's oh, just, yeah. Time wasting. Stories, to, mm -hmm. stories together. 
Now let's see uh, what Letterbox said. We're on Letterbox. Please follow us there if you can. This is the synopsis on Letterbox: An unfaithful wife encounters the zombie of her dead lover. Ah. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Zombie? I don't know. Mm. Uh, encounters? No. I don't know. <laughs> Welcomes um, back with fucking open arms is more like it. <laughs> um, while the demonic Cenobites are pursuing him after he escaped their sadomasochistic underworld. Again, I don't think he escapes their underworld. No. He is ripped apart and he is just merely. No, he does. That's why that's how Kirsty or gets her life back because she brings the Cenobites to find him because he escaped and they want to bring him back. But that brings up an interesting point. Cause like, did he escape or were they just like, you go ahead, Frank, this is cute. Yeah, like, like piecing him know. together. Did they let him piecing... go or did he escape? Look, I actually don't think he escapes because Mark, if you're doing a job and you've just taken a person and and push pull them all apart with your chains and you don't look under the floorboards to, to like you know in the beginning he's piecing together his face mm-hmm. oh yeah no, and I you know it. you're doing your cleanup job and you don't bother to look under the floorboards who's who's to blame here yeah. is this frank or is this is this uh pinhead or which is why, cinnabite as he's as he's uh, which is why pinhead film. came wanted to go find him because he's like i did a shit job and my manager <laughs> right is gonna be up my ass for yeah. letting this guy go so pinhead if senior. i get this thing all yeah get this all cleaned up i uh, i might be reprimanded they might yeah. serve me a performance improvement plan because mm. i didn't look that's under right. the floorboards <laughs> that's right? i mean this wasn't going to be my opening question but if that's true mark who's Who's in charge of the of the Cenobites that we see of the of the four in this movie? Who's in charge? Because it feels like it's Pinhead, but he just might be the most vocal. Yeah, I, I think everybody. I mean, even if he's the CEO, then the shareholders of Hell. <laughs> <laughs> They're always answering to the shareholders. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, They've put a lot of faith into us. <laughs> <laughs> Our fourth quarter numbers right. do not look good. Thank you for attending this quarterly Zoom call. <laughs> so no. let's talk about everybody's uh, experience with Hellraiser. Justin, as our guest, tell us, uh, what what is your experience with Hellraiser been? When's the first time you saw it? Uh I actually saw it opening night on its wow, original wow. theatrical run. In 1987. 1987. Uh, September of 1987. It was this uh, theater called the Century 22 in San Jose. And people that don't know uh, the Bay Area, the centuries were kind of like, they had these like alien, what like these, these, these domes that would surround each other. You'd have like six domes on a big, huge plot of land that were like the Cinerama Dome in Hollywood, but there'd be six of them. And mm. New World exclusively had rights to show their films at this place too. And the screens were way too big and nothing was ever sold out or even half full. But for some reason, they'd book these films. And you got to see you know, Night Patrol on a giant screen. You can't yeah. see Night Patrol on a generic screen. Yeah, you want to see not. Steaman on a big, giant screen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You want those big old floppy titties in your face. 
but uh, this this film had like a ton of uh, publicity in Vangoria, which was like, you know, to New World was like Time Magazine at the time, and so they they, they rolled out they they rolled this thing out really large on a lot of screens, and they had a massive preview campaign. This thing screened like every Friday for three weeks prior to its release uh, for advanced screenings, and for some reason, uh, they thought they had a huge hit on their hands. And their own Freddy Krueger coming along as well. Sort of turned out that way. They were half right, I guess. Yes, mm-hmm. they were. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I was, I, I, it was successful. It was. I mean, they were correct in that being the case. They weren't New World Pictures was not exactly correct that it was going to be theirs entirely. It it it, it unfortunately did not help their financial situation. Mark, um, when 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 was uh, the first time you saw Hellraiser? I, I don't. I didn't see it in the theaters. I do remember renting it, and mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think I've been on, I've been uh, on the record for saying that I love the Hellraiser movies. I when I saw this, I absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, keep in mind that too, when this came out, you know, you were already on like Nightmare on Elm Street Part Five. You know that like the slasher thing had kind of worn thin. Uh, and so I'm just saying, like, at that point, at that time, you're in the late 80s, kind of slashers had started to wear a little thin, at least the, the structure of them. And this movie came out and was, like, totally different, like a completely different take and was unabashedly incredibly gory, mm-hmm. which, you know, a lot of movies didn't didn't go down the same path. And, of course, there was a lot of press about there's an unrated version and the R-rated version. And, of course, that was even more exemplified with Hellraiser 2. But... To me, to have this movie that was just felt very evil and also extremely gory was like it 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 was so different from everything else that had come out at that time that it Mm -hmm. really stood out. And Mark, you failed to mention that Freddie was rapping at this time. Was rapping? (laughs) Yes, Freddie was rapping with the fat boys. Yeah, around this time. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. He, he was even like, "This is like I've become a parody of myself." Yeah, did so, his was his was his TV show was Freddy's Nightmares? At, it was on, out at this point. It was, yeah. it was pretty yeah. So I mean, at this point, he was like, you know, he was basically on cereal boxes at this point. But right, right. Like, guys, he, let's not get too ahead of ourselves because this was back when there was only one Hellraiser film. There was <laughs> correct. I'm showing my age. You're right. But I remember Hell, when Hell there was Razor only one was Hellraiser the- film. That's right. Yes. When Hellraiser came out, there was no other Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. You were you were dead right, Justin. This mm-hmm. this was the only mm-hmm. Hellraiser when it came out. No other Hellraisers. Uh, Erica, what was your first experience with Hellraiser? I don't remember. I think I maybe was in high school or college. Um, I definitely didn't see it when it first came out because I would have been in first grade. <laughs> that would have been a little intense, I think. Um, ah, boo on you! But Come I know. On, get into I know. it parents were so lame it wouldn't take a seven-year-old to go see hellraiser um so i don't i honestly can't remember the first time i saw it but it's always like pinhead was one of those characters though that i can remember people dressing up as pinhead for halloween and me being like oh that's so scary like this is just a scary character and being like aware of it without having seen the movie at all right Right, and then right. seeing the movie, I remember being like, Jesus, like it was so different from what I thought it was going to be that it was really shocking. And but I, I honestly don't I can't recall the first time I saw it. Mm. I really can't. I know I definitely saw it because I have 
uh, I have an older brother that showed it to me. And... Oh, who? Who's <laughs> your older brother? <laughs> um, and so that's how I know I first saw it. Cause when Mark rented it, uh, I, I don't know if that was the first time you'd rented it or I, I feel like you had seen it before already. Yeah. I, but... I saw, I saw it at Darren's and then I rented it afterwards, probably to show you. Cause I was like, this is so fucked up. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so he showed up? me and I, I agreed. It was very fucked up. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely like, I mean, the gore in it definitely were was was you know that it was intense and it was like holy shit! Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever seen anything like that at that at that point in my life. Now I've seen tons like it, <laughs> but but um, brag. <laughs> no, uh, I mean yeah, uh, but yeah, I hadn't seen a whole lot like it at the time. Now, Justin, has this been a movie that you have gone back to a whole lot throughout your life? Is this the, once you saw it at this uh, the Cinerama Dome of San Jose? Did you basically, you know, continue to watch it regularly? Yeah, I mean, I only use a switchblade to cut off my wife's negligee to today. <laughs> <laughs> Live by it, baby. Yes. Live by yes. it. Negligee. That's negligee. legit. It's legit. God. It is a negligee. She's legit wearing <laughs> one. You can't say it's not. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I'm so mad this is catching on. I'm so mad. But let me ask you this, Justin. Is that is that Cinerama Dome? Like, is that theater chain still there? In San Jose? No, it got demoed about ten years ago. Ah, oh, bummer. Well, they stopped playing New World Pictures movies, so like they well, they really stopped playing New World tank. Pictures movies when the whole world stopped playing New World Pictures movie around the summer of '89. Uh, everybody lost that right at the same time. It was equal opportunity across the whole nation. Everybody missed out on it. Um, by the way, if you want to watch this uh, and you haven't seen it or want to rewatch it, it is currently on Prime. Mm-hmm. But um, we watched uh, the Arrow Blu-ray. That's what yep. we watched, which I would highly recommend if you want to purchase this and have this uh, permanently uh, and not have to be beholden to streaming rights. I would get the Arrow Blu-ray. And Ryan, why don't you walk us through all the releases of Hellraiser on Blu-ray the past ten years? <laughs> There's far too many. I don't think I could go through it all. I think, and I, I honestly could be wrong. I think the Arrow one is the most recent, but I really. Honestly, I could be a hundred percent wrong. I don't know. You're, no, because... you're you're you are right on that. But uh, okay. don't forget, our friends at Anchor Bay have probably released this about ten times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they released all the sequels, so they really yeah. uh, they were on top of this. Um, so let's get into the movie, okay? Um, this this is a story about the Cotton family. It's a family story. It's a it's a family love uh, story. It's a family. It's love a family story. in love with themselves. It's the yes. Cotton Brothers, guys. <laughs> you know, just of, getting into mischief. Those brothers. <laughs> of, of all the of all the sequels they have made, the fact that they didn't make a prequel called The Cotton Brothers is actually a missed opportunity. I feel like. Well, once I get my benefactor. Also, why didn't they make a sequel about the family that comes over for the dinner party about 10 minutes in? Where did right? they go? Yeah. That, yeah. That was yeah. A they disappeared. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Where's Steve? Steve could have been in a sequel, right? Yeah. And, well, that, and that cocktail no, party Steve... is sweet suffering. <laughs> <laughs> it's a waste of sweet suffering, that uh, cocktail party. <laughs> um, Steve could not have his own movie because Steve <laughs> is the worst. But we'll get to Steve. 
the funny thing about that uh, party, though, is that we do see that Larry Cotton is not picking up on certain cues from his wife, who dismisses herself in the middle. And he's like, no, no, no one leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone right, right. sit down. No one leave because my wife is going to bed. And that's a sure sign for a guest to get out. <laughs> no, I'm going to continue this party because that's a, here's the thing about Larry Cotton. He uh he's not picking up on a lot of context clues. No. Like let's not start at all. with the house that he moves them back into. Yeah. That yeah. house is is gross. Am yeah. I wrong? Yeah. The bottom no. floors are decent, but yikes. But not that great. Like the yikes. walls are dirty. This is a legit house by the way. They did build a set for the attic which they used yeah. a little bit yeah, particularly yeah. for reshoots, but generally speaking that house is a real house that they shot in in England. Huh. Yeah, I always I always wondered whether this movie was like a remake of The Money Pit with Tom Hanks and Shelley Long. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hanks as Pinhead. Hey, the box! You I'm made it. There wasn't, you know, a little litigation <laughs> yeah. over some you know, like story credit. <laughs> yeah, it was the working title was Money Pit Two. I think a sink <laughs> explodes in both films. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's very true. You're actually That's a right. Good call. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. Um. So I I kind of understand why Julia is hesitant to move into that house. It's also like uh, the Cotton Brothers' childhood. Yeah, because it's a piece of shit house. And yeah, she's right? a fancy yeah, yeah. lady. She yeah. is kind of fancy, yeah. She's a fancy she lady. likes the finer things like scuzzy brothers of her husband. Yeah. But <laughs> let, wait, let, let's start at the very beginning. Though. Let's take two steps back. Before they move into this house, we see a flashback of Frank who has made a, a a conscious decision to pop his top and play with the the uh the box mm-hmm. um now he's still wearing pants so it can't be that hot in the room because you'd pop the pants off too so you made it, a decision like i don't want to damage the shirt that i have mm-hmm. so i'll take yeah. the shirt off because i don't know where this is going I think but the it, room is actually quite cold because he's surrounded himself in candles. So my thing is, I think he's actually, it's actually very well, brisk in that room. Also, he was offered the box, not a flashlight, because this was 1987. <laughs> so he chose the box because that's all they had at the time, because, you know, this was, you know, 40 odd years ago or whatever. But no, if this fair. was filmed today, he could have had the pants off and he could have had a different apparatus to try right. and reach the next level of, uh, you know, pleasure, sexu- and sexual yeah. enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But is he trying to seek sexual enlightenment or pleasure or pain or is, is the box. So here's the thing. It doesn't take much to unlock this box. It is no. effectively no. the eighties version of a fidget spinner. If you <laughs> yeah. just rub your thumb for a little while, it just magic happens. So Look, is the I, box I, for people that are looking for a gateway to hell or just kind of a, a stupid person's puzzle that you just play <laughs> with? You're like, give it to Frank. He's not that bright. Right. He'll figure it out. Let me see. I rub my thumb along the only circular part of the entire box, and then I press the button. Oh, that was tricky. That was hard. This yeah. is the fucking Rubik's Cube of 1987. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of chance involved. It's like opening a fortune cookie, this thing. You know, everybody can open a fortune cookie, but you don't know what that fortune's going to be. That's, That's right. True. That's, That's right. true. Some people That's... open the box and like butterflies fly out and Pinhead's like, not today. 
I wish you pleasant dreams. <laughs> Have a lovely Thursday. <laughs> you are too early for a flashlight. <laughs> also, we mentioned we mentioned this off mic, but we didn't mention yet. We are recording this on Clyde Barker's birthday. Holy shit. Oh, happy happy birthday, birthday, Clyde. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey. That was shorter than his coma. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, oh, honey. Wow. Oh, wow. Clive, oh, oh, we, oh, we... I'm crossing the line here, <laughs> not Clive. Okay, guys. Wow. So, all right. Uh, can, we, can we all agree? Uh, we Let's get jump back to this cocktail party. Uh, so, uh, uh, wait, who's the, which is the legitimate husband? What's his name again? Larry. Larry, Larry. Larry is a legit. Okay. Larry. Yeah. So Larry. Larry. Larry's are never any, good at this husband thing. Larry <laughs> doesn't pick up on any Flagle. context clues. But right. also, the entire Cotton family, uh, uh, the daughter, the wife, Larry, everyone, like everyone has no sense of smell, Right. Because right. as the movie progresses, yeah. I, I'm willing to give you that this house is big enough that you can be hiding dead bodies and a reincarnated brother in one of the <laughs> back rooms. Okay, mm-hmm. that takes a little bit of a leap of faith. But <laughs> you wouldn't smell that shit. Like you've got dead bodies just lying around. <laughs> and you, you have to think Frank does not smell good with pre-skin. Yeah. Mm, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But is it one of those things like when people have cats and you walk into their house and you're like, oh, oh, God. They're like, hey, welcome. Don't worry about freckles. He's super friendly. And he's already like rubbing cat fur all over your jeans. And you're like, God damn it. It reeks of ammonia in here. Right. I've got, I'm covered in cat hair, but they just don't smell it. Is right. it one of those things right. where they're like yeah. nose blind? Yeah, because they've oh, they've always surrounded themselves with dead bodies. Yeah. So when Julia t- excuses herself from the table, they immediately are like, "Oh, well, we should go too," because they were like, "Oh, I can't wait to get out of this house. It's, it it yeah. smells so yeah. bad. Yeah, it stinks. We're all so just smoking cigarettes in here just to try to yeah. cover up." I started smoking oh. tonight because it smelled so bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how to smoke. Yeah. I'm just letting this thing burn so I can smell. This I'd isn't even a cigarette. a cigarette. I just. I just rolled up my napkin and lit it on fire and started smoking it because I couldn't handle the smell. And Kirstie comes home. A dinner party breks oh, out. Right. And she proceeds yep. to get absolutely fucking wrecked. Lit. Yeah. Just lit. Kirstie's thirsty. Yeah. Kirstie is thirsty. So a real thirst trap for her is, is, is a gentleman who is invited to this party who hits on her. And yeah. who is this guy? Who is he? He's hitting on her so hard, he might as well have been doing like the two fingers with the tongue thing right at the oh table. Oh my god! And yeah, parents would have just yeah. been like, "Oh, yeah. Steve, always a joker." Right? <laughs> like he's poor. He pours her some. Uh, he... <laughs> I know. I hope everybody knows what you're talking about. That was such a vague, specific description. He he pours her some liquor, and he might as well be like, "Do you want a little bit more? I'd like to fuck you if that's okay." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he should just come out with it. Yep. He's such a douche, and she's impressed with him because he manages to flip a lit cigarette inside of his mouth and then and then flip it back out and then continue to smoke it. And she's like, and he learned that that oh, night. Yeah, he like, learned that that night because it smelled so bad in that house. <laughs> he just taught himself right, that right. trick. This like the whole Cotton family does is not very bright. Uh, Julia, who's married into this whole thing, to 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 go back to Frank's decision in the beginning. 
Frank is having this affair with Julia, which he eventually reveals through all these uh, flashbacks. But Frank essentially comes back and basically reveals to her, though he doesn't reveal this by saying this out loud, but, you know, hey, uh, I had an affair with you, but that just wasn't good enough. So I decided to open up this mystery box, seek out more pleasure than whatever you gave me. And uh, I got ripped apart. And you know what? Loved it. And then, so, and she's like, "What? What can I do for you? Whatever mm-hmm. can I do?" Mm-hmm. Like, and then he tries to nail Kirsty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, he's trying he, to keep he, it all in the family. Yeah, you know? that's what Frank's exactly. about. He's he's a, he's a family and guy. That's another Gross. thing. This that's a perfect segue <laughs> into how Frank even got invited to this wedding to begin with, because this was like pre Facebook. You know, so how did he know Larry was getting married? And what made him compelled to show up at the doorstep in the pouring rain, pretty much knowing that he could seduce Larry's wife. And, and he commits hard to that. He's like, yeah, he got both hands on the door frame. He's like, are you going to yeah. let me in? Yeah. You got to tell. Yeah, you got to tell. I mean, I'm going to get get you wet. That's yeah, right. that pose is not like <laughs> that is not a casual pose. <laughs> No, it's the pose when you, that's the pose you do when you know you're going to get laid. That's he a knew. real pose? That's a decided pose? Like that's when a he poses like pose. with his two hands up on the door frame, like what's and up? Like he's not doing that just to be like, God, I thought hey, he just I'm, had it. You don't know me. I'm, I'm, I'm Larry. <laughs> I thought he was like bracing himself like, hey, oh, shit. Can you open let me the in? door. I really got to take a dump. I'm holding oh, it. Yeah. Down. When he asked for that towel, he's not asking for a towel to wipe himself down from because the rain. He's he's asking for a towel because yeah. he's like, I don't, I can't use toilet yeah. paper. This I've, is this is a towel job. I'm actively this pooping is, my pants is, in the doorway. This, so. this, need is, a towel. this is the '80s before you had those Cottonelle wipes. So you just yeah, asked, right. you yeah. just asked for a towel. You just yeah. had to wet down a towel. Yeah. And then just use that wet towel. He's like, you got a towel that you don't mind throwing away. Kids, the 80s were very difficult. (laughs) (laughs) They'll never know. They'll never know. Um, Real quick uh, side note about the fact that this movie is set in England. Now, New World decided that they did not want to set this in England. So they decided to set it in America. But is it set in America? Every time I watch this movie... It's nowhere USA, really, and nowhere England. Yeah. 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 No, you're yeah. right, Justin. And the accents, half the cast have English accents and half have American accents. Well, yeah. not quite half. I mean, Julia keeps hers. Most uh, most everyone else is dubbed into an American accent for the most part. Yeah. I've seen <clears> this <throat> movie Frank. so many times. I think sometimes I watch it in an English accent and sometimes I watch it in an American <laughs> accent. <laughs> that's at, that's at Anchor Bay Blu-ray. It's, everyone's in an English accent on that one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. They only got the English dub. Uh, um, yeah. I, so yeah, did, did you so, guys? So we don't know what city this is set in at all, right? No, no, no. Okay, because yeah. I mean, and, she walks around like Kirsty at one point walks around, mm-hmm. and it's clearly like you're in London. Like it's very clear you're not in America. And then they have like a scene where they see a train. Clive Barker mm-hmm. even talks about mm-hmm. in the commentary that it's like we're supposed to be in America, but it's clearly an English train. There's so many. Whenever they go outside, it was, it was, and it it actually had Ringo Starr just waving out the window. Ryan, if this was any other movie that wasn't made by New World, it might be worth going into, but we all know this was New World and they shot it 
at the most economical way they could. Sure. And in the end, they hope you don't notice what city they're in. That's yeah. right. That's right. For under it, a million it, dollars, this was shot for as well. Wow. Like that's how much money they were willing to give. Um, well, on one of their most nine, successful movies. Nine, 900,000 pounds, but it, with the conversion rate, that would have been over a million dollars. Not not in the 80s. Oh. Not, over, not, over the, not in the no, 80s. The, yeah, right? it was. In the 80s, the pound was even stronger. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Wait, was that yeah, a I didn't crunch? run the numbers wait, on this you, one, Whoa, but. wait, you didn't? You didn't do no, your I job? I didn't. Oh, man. All right, Damn it, Mark. Everybody. Speaking of... <laughs> Mark's gone. Everyone, Mark's gone. Mark's out. He's left the podcast. <laughs> Goodbye, Mark. Thank you for attending. <laughs> Your contributions will not be forgotten, Mark. <laughs> that pinhead is such a great team player. He really is. Yeah, um, He's inspirational. <laughs> by the way, just to go back to uh, to Steve, the boyfriend, he's played by actor, British actor Robert Hines, and he's dubbed. And I actually see this guy as a manifestation of Kirsty's aimlessness. I mean, is she going to college is she just is she just out of college because she's like working in a pet store mm-hmm. and uh, in England and like what is she doing with her life like what is she she does she's living on her own she doesn't want to move in with her dad and and Julia good in this choice. house great choice one of the few good choices but it actually makes me really uh it actually makes me find her really relatable cuz she's making very bad decisions She's drinking too much at her family's dinner party. She's choosing a total douche guy that she should she should she could absolutely do better. She's working at a pet store. She does not know what she is doing mm-hmm. with her life. Am I wrong? No, I think no. she's I, I think she is super relatable. I think she's working at one of the first pet co's. She's going over to her family's <laughs> the house. Very and first getting, petco. You know, Wait, free the petco that sells monkeys? <laughs> Yeah, that's how they started. They had exotic pets. I know who sells monkeys in a pet store in America. Like I just was like, that is. Do they sell monkeys in a pet store in England? I guess so. I don't know. I I have to assume they don't sell them here. So anyway, what kind of job? I wanted to ask you guys. What was your pet store job that you had when you first got out of college, Justin? Super Crown, the bookstore. <laughs> wow. I used to I used nice. to grab all the Playboys and put them all like in the front, you know, because like everything was in the back. But I take all those magazines out and put them right in the front, like displayed like Newsweek and People magazine, and so epic. <laughs> Did you get fired for that? No. Did they know it was you? He was their top salesman. <laughs> Did you? They know it was you, Justin, or no? No, Eric was right. I was a top salesman. That's right. Uh, they That's offered right. me. They offered like... me Assistant to the assistant manager. Wow. Nice. Wow. 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 Nice. Unbelievable. Nice. Mark, what was your uh, pet pet store esque job? Uh, for, for a summer, I worked at, at a catering company, just doing catering, just catering to wow. private events, serving or like any any sure. weddings. Mark, any weddings? Can you tell us no, about no. any weddings? No weddings. He's uh, oh, actually no, okay. no. There was one wedding, uh, but oh. it was, I was serving. I was picking up plates. I was setting up. I was. Did you happen down. to pick up on the bride, like Frank? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, 
I remember vividly at one of them needing to take a massive shit. Yeah! And then, no. I, Put uh, your hands no. in the doorway, dude. Steady yourself. I, I didn't know. I did not. I, you know what? It actually never even occurred to me that maybe I had a chance at hooking up with the bride at the wedding. But you know, because you didn't I, put that stance, you didn't do the stance in the doorway. Yeah, the stance, the you Frank the stance. stance. You got to um, do yeah. the. I've got to. I've really got to take a massive shit stance. Right, but I think I think you also need the bride to be more of a Julia, you know. And I I don't Fair. I didn't go to a lot of Julia weddings. So <clears throat> speaking that, of which, I have a real uh, like Julia. We're led to believe that Julia would do anything for Frank. Right. Right. Yes. So yes. She she like she likes it rough. She'll do anything for him. She will murder people. Mm-hmm. She will and not murder them by like putting a little arsenic in their tea or you know something that's quick. No, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna get a hammer and beat people over the head. Yeah. But yet she wears clip-on earrings. Mm-hmm. And she has the Seems- same hairdo as Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon One. <laughs> That's why Frank likes her. We all wanted a piece of Mel Gibson. Yeah, when Frank is doing that, I gotta take a shit stance. There's like this little (laughs) when Julie answers the door. Uh, (laughs) Erica, we did not we did not hear about your uh, pet store job right out of college oh right out of college i had two jobs right out of college during the day i worked at seattle's best coffee as a barista mm, mm. and at night i waited tables at giordano's pizza there you Did go you have any customers oh, that, that ate mouthfuls of crickets <laughs> god i wish i wish uh, i would not have kicked him out i'd have been like enjoy yeah yeah eat him <laughs> enjoy up. you crazy fuck <laughs> oh I, you my know, god to get back to what Mark was bringing up, I was that's not where I thought you were going with that because I had a question about Julia as well because she's willing, as you said, to kill for yeah. Frank. So my question to everybody is, um, is Frank that hot that you are willing to kill for him? I mean, is he honestly that hot? Justin. You know, I want to go back to what you said about the mattress in the beginning of the podcast because I have this theory that Frank actually took Julia's virginity that night. You know why? Mm. Mm. So why as the as that love scene is going, and and uh, Larry Cotton is pushing that mattress up the stairs, every thrust of that mattress, Frank thrusts Julia, and like right when Frank's gonna you know bust his load, he scrapes the nail on he scrapes his hand on the nail, causing that that horrible wound that brings Frank back from from uh, but, from hell, and I think but, that the way they intercut that was you know. Frank taking her virginity that night. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's symbolism. Symbolism Symbolism. that evening. Yes. Well, there's certainly a lot of nail action going on, for sure. Yes. Um, There's a lot of nailing happening in this movie. Yes, yes. There is. I give her a lot of... I give Julia a lot of credit, because in between each kill, she meticulously cleans that hammer. Mm Mm-hmm. She does. She could have also changed the... I mean, to your point, Ryan, backtracking a bit, she could have changed the the killing method at any point. She's stuck with Hammer. Yeah. Well, she had a little part for it on the wall. Like, she had... There wasn't much in that room, but she could at least... She had a little place she could put the Hammer. Erica, were you... But then to answer your current question, is Frank that hot? Thank you. 
No, he's not. He's mm. like 87 hot, but you know, mm, watching yeah, it now, I'm, I'm like, he's not that hot. I think it's mm-mm. more the like, it's more of the like, this is wrong. Yeah, but Fine. Erica, what yeah, about yeah. going for? Yeah, what about his boudoir, his boudoir photo and uh, Polaroid <laughs> collection? You wouldn't think that was kind of hot. Like back in college, if you like met Frank, he's like, "Come check out my boudoir photo and Polaroid collection." It's yeah. in a little cookie tin. Yeah, I think I'd have like, been like, "Yikes!" Hot. Yikes! Hey, I want you to have his picture. It's a picture of me and another girl I used to date a long yeah. time ago, who's behind me. And yeah. I want you to have this photo. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember um, when I told you that I went to Thailand? <laughs> now, Justin, <laughs> do you, do you, Justin, do you agree? Do you agree that Frank is uh, not as hot, or is he kind of hot? What do you think? I, th- I think you know. I think Frank had had game. Okay. I think yeah. for uh, I think for the time and place, he he uh, he had it going on. <clears throat> Mark, do you agree? I think. Look, I don't think that he's the most attractive guy, but. I think yeah, but Mark, look did, at Larry. Oh yeah, no. Compared to Larry, uh, so, I mean, he's the hotter of the Cotton Brothers certainly. for sure. For and, sure, and he doesn't give a fuck. He is a badass, so mm-hmm. that makes up for a lot of things. And he probably has a pretty good sized penis. You do get a good shot of it uh, mm-hmm. in the movie. So, yeah, you do. And I, yeah. and I did. There I is did a donger that, count. There is mm-hmm. a donger there's, count. There's a donger count. Um, you know. Uh, uh, Jeff Conaway would have been uh, surprised, delighted at his daughter. Yeah, so would have been I proud. think you know the combination thereof it makes it worth the worth the worth the time. Plus, uh, Larry, he's I mean he's a soulless being by this point in the movie. He he's obviously down on his luck financially. Um, he's not good in the, in the in the sack. He can't smell anything. So there's a lot <laughs> of things going against him. So. I don't know though. I see. For me, Frank is number one. He has a terrible Ben Affleck esque tattoo on his back, like a really shitty tattoo on his back. And then there's no manscaping going on. I know it's 1987, <laughs> but like he is just letting that just run wild. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's <laughs> like, you know, like take care of yourself. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Effort. Yeah, exactly. Just give a they, little effort. You know, they didn't that's part of the charm. Two, they didn't have lawnmower 2.0s back <laughs> yeah. then. Yeah, right? well, it's true, but still, I just say put in a little effort. Um, yeah. By the way, once she gets all these victims for Frank, these victims are a bunch of dum dums. Am I wrong? Yeah, they're uh, losers. Horny yeah, like, dum dums. Real horny dum dums. What the Willing first? To, Willing to look past this dilapidated room, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Yeah, but I'm gonna have sex." Yeah, so yeah. No, I don't. It's okay. I do think that that is probably probably one of the most truthful parts of this movie. This movie that has got a outrageous and fantastical uh, plot, but one of the realest things is a woman takes you home from a bar and goes, "Wait, where's the bedroom?" Oh, well, no, we're gonna have sex on this dirty floor in this room filled with rats that is yeah. half burnt. Like, okay. <laughs> okay uh all right i'll uh, you do you take your clothes off or i take uh, just take both take our clothes off like i mean that part was very real i was like yeah this guy is not he's being given every sign that ru- yeah. walk away from this red flag and he is like right. nah i ignore these red flags i'm like by the time he's ignored all that i was like kill him please get rid of him this yeah. guy is a complete idiot you know yeah, yeah. which guy this is actually the first victim. The first okay. victim. Right. Though there's another guy that uh, when he's confronted and actually sees Frank, 
He actually just hides behind Julia instead of, I don't know, running out of the room and yeah. out of the house. <laughs> he just cowers behind Julia like, oh, a guy with no skin. I'll hide behind this woman. No, he, was, he's still he's like, still trying get to out have here. Sex. He's still trying yeah. to have yeah, sex with her. Exactly. He's like, <laughs> oh, maybe if this guy leaves, he just wasn't prepped for a third. He wasn't <laughs> right. prepped for a third. I just want to know what the rules are, and yeah. then I'll come out from behind this yeah. woman. <laughs> he was just trying to hide his boner. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know if this guy wants to see my boner, so I'll hide behind you right now, guys. My safe word is alopecia. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and then julia's like i no i'm sorry i only like men with thick thick bush <laughs> thick unmanicured oh, bush uh um uh wow so yes <laughs> so, okay so we have he finally comes He's almost yes, there. Yes, he does. He's, he's, Frank, he's are you talking Frank? <laughs> Frank? Frank is almost almost back to almost back to his full self, right? Uh, and yeah. he needs one one more one one more piece of fresh meat. In the meantime, Kirsty has gone to the hospital. In one of the scenes that I think is like visually great at the very beginning, when the light comes through the tile of the hospital wall and the wall opens up, yeah. it leads to one of the things I hated in this movie. But uh, uh, so she's going to head back and because she's made the deal with the, the Cenobites that Frank, she can lead them to Frank. And mm-hmm. so she's going to head back to the house and lead the Cenobites to Frank. And in return, she's going to get her soul back because she was playing with the fidget spinner and unknowingly brought them. But she really doesn't give a shit about the pleasures and the pain of the netherworld and whatever. Um, now. When she gets back to the house and Frank has killed her dad and taken on his face, wouldn't you call out like the scabbing, the bloody right, right. ring around the face and be like, Dad, did you did you have to go to the dermatologist and get some cancer bits burned right. off? Or like right. what what just happened here? <clears throat> yeah, you have a unique amount of bloody scar tissue yeah. just or perfectly around your hairline. Did That's you odd. eat some pepperoni pizza and then smear it in a circle around the edge of your face? <laughs> Is this what it looks like? But anyway, but yeah. I'm glad you're safe. I mean, I think we're again we're we keep circling this point, but the cottons are not they do not pick up yeah. on a lot of dense. Yeah. Dense. Very family. dense. I agree. Though, I mean, I will Thanks, say Justin. Thank, you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for chiming in, Justin. I will say that to go back to Kirsty. She does, uh, you know, hook up with a douchey dude, but when it comes down to it, she's like, "Hey, if you're gonna spend the night, not in my bed." No, of course yeah. not. You know what I mean? Of course no. not. Yeah. No, I mean, granted, she's sleeping in a full bed, like, or rather, a twin. Twin. She's in a twin, yeah. so, you know, she she there's not a lot of room there, but you know, at that age, you, you know, if you had just a twin bed, you just made it work. But she was like, "Nah, no, 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 hit the floor, buddy." You're on the okay, floor. Okay, so so let me ask you. Now that we're on the subject, uh, you're a single guy. You're at the age that you are now. You uh, you only have a twin bed, and and whoever you're hooking up with is like, we can just sleep on this. Wait, what, what's your answer? I, oh wait, I'm a single guy at my age, and I only <laughs> yeah. have a twin bed. 
No, I there's don't. a lot wrong with this scenario. <laughs> right, let me clarify. Hold on, let me put myself person. there mentally. I'm a single guy at my certain age. <laughs> okay, I'm going to clarify that because I want to include you, Erica. We're all single people now, and we only have a two bed. <laughs> and but we're at our eight current ages. <laughs> yes, I mean there's a lot of problems. <laughs> I have I don't to even imagine know where this like is going because Kirsty and her boyfriend were like in their twenties in this movie. Right, so. yeah. right, right, yeah, right. And, and and I'm just saying a lot has gone wrong. If I'm at this point where I'm now single, <laughs> yeah, suddenly, and I'm like, well, I need a bed. I guess I'll just get a twin. I mean, like, there's a lot that's wrong with me. But what was your question after that? <laughs> My question was, if you hooked up and that person was like, I'll just snuggle next to you in the twin bed. What is your answer? My, my aunt, my, well, I would probably, I'd probably allow it and go, this is my fault for getting a twin bed. I am, I am too old to, to have bought this, to have knowingly purchased a twin bed yeah. for my single ass self. Yeah. This is on me. Yeah. Yep. I agree. For if one, I have a single I, bed and I'm my current age, then yeah. I'm not having people over. Right. That's my sleep coffin. Right. That's for sleeping right. only. If I'm single and I'm on my own, I'm getting the biggest bed in the world. I'm getting yeah. a full king, and I'm just <laughs> luxuriating. A full king. A full king. That's Ryan's biggest bed. <laughs> a full king. Just the 100% king. And by full king, I mean just a full-size bed that has all the fixings. <laughs> it's not a king size. It's just a full king. It's a full-size bed that just gets lots of... There's lots of amenities when you purchase it. Oh, my God. A couple so extra Justin, pillows. You? It's really nice. Justin, you're, you're, you're your age now. You're single. You got a twin. Are you Are you going to like be like, cool, it's cool. We can just spoon. It'll be fine. I'd be in the same boat as Erica. No one's coming in my house. Yeah. If I have that thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'd probably do? No, you know, let me tell you this, Mark. Let me tell you what i do with that twin bed, okay? I'd wait till Halloween. I'd put a gallon of blood on it and staple a penthouse to it. Throw it on my fucking front porch as a Halloween decoration. <laughs> and then yes. see, see how many people go. I see what you did there. That's right. <laughs> you can take exactly. the best. You can take the take the best salesman out of the Crown Books, but you really can't take the, you know the Crown Books out of that best salesman. Then, yeah, you're still true. you're really utilizing a lot of those skills you learned at the bookstore. I know. <laughs> It's gotten me this far. Uh, that's right. That's right. I I'm love on this it. podcast, aren't I? That's right. You've done it. And speaking really of this it. podcast, I would personally like to hear things we loved and things we hated. Okay, we're going to talk about the things we loved and the things we hated about Hellraiser. Justin, you're our guest. We're going to start with you. Well, Frank's ashtray collection. Ladies I first, loved it. Justin. Loved it. <laughs> you, you loved his ashtray collection? Yeah. Oh, that's oh. good. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, again, that's I did love his love. little. I did love his cookie tin with his, uh, you know, boudoir photos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Christopher Young's score, of course, is is a beautiful work of art. Sure. Yeah. In this film, and of yeah. course, uh, you know, uh, I mean, what can I say? I mean, it's it was an iconic film. Uh, Pinhead, the Cenobites were awesome. That's what I loved about it, and that's what got me to love the second one as well. Okay, absolutely, Mark. It stops uh, there, by the way. It stops there. Okay, I wanted. Mm-hmm. To, I was going to ask. Yeah. All right, Mark. Uh, something you loved. Uh, uh, I loved pretty much everything. 
honestly, I, I loved pretty much all of it. But I will say one of the things that I really loved was just, I mean, how like they were so willing to go over the top with all the gore. Like they were, they really didn't hold back. At one point, you know, like when he is when when Julia's beating up, I think she's killing the first guy. And she hits him across the mouth, and his teeth are all broken. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, that is that's some attention to detail there. I really and they it. actually trimmed a little bit of that out because the MPA uh, asked that they trim a shot out. I'm of sure, I'm sure, and I know yeah. they trimmed out some of like the hands into the skin. It's just like this thing went for it in every way, and uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved like pretty much like everything from like the when the words came on the screen to when the words came back on the screen. All that stuff in between, I was pretty much in with. And end credits. And, yeah. inclu- wow. and including the credits. It? And including yeah. the credits, apparently. Right, right. Erica, what is something that you loved? Oh, God. Something that I loved. Okay. Oof, let me dig deep. Um, <laughs> I, actually, I'll give you this, Hellraiser. I, I do like the makeup. The special okay. effects, like when Frank is coming back and he's just kind of like muscles and skin and then the various stages that he's in, he's very like slimy and goopy and <clears throat> gross looking. I think that looks awesome. Like anytime you just have that like slime and that thick, gross yeah. stuff like dripping off of him. I mean, I thought that looked awesome. I love um, I love Doug, of course. I love Doug Bradley. Doug Bradley. I think... He's really great, and I can't imagine, because I haven't gotten there yet, I can't imagine anyone else playing Pinhead, so that's going to be a real treat when I get to that. I'll mention this because I know, I don't think Erica would know this, but it probably is known by, <laughs> Thanks, most, Ryan. by most Hellraiser <laughs> fans, but because we're on the subject of Doug Bradley, Doug Bradley was actually offered two roles in the movie. He was actually offered uh, a role of one of the furniture movers, or uh, what was then called the lead Cenobite. <laughs> Not called Pinhead, and he was offered one of the two roles because wow. he, he was in a he, he was in a theater company wow. with Clive Barker and with the guy that who, was his choices. Mm-hmm. And the guy and who mover he wanted, or lead he, Cenobite, yeah, Jesus. he wanted he wanted the mover position because he wanted a role where people would recognize him, it would see his face. That's why he was yeah. initially thinking he would take <clears> it, and he decided it would be more interesting to play the lead Cenobite, so he went that direction. Oh. Which then, I bet people <clears> don't recognize him a lot though, out of makeup because he does look very different he does he does do you think Uh, frank gets the guy that played frank gets recognized on the street today oh shit all the time (laughs) ladies are just panty dropping when he walks by like i don't know what it is but shit but then they were like oh your voice doesn't sound like it did in the movie weird (laughs) yeah i don't know he's got so many more of those cookie tins full of pictures by this point (laughs) (laughs) he's filled so many cookie tins what else do you love though besides doug bradley i love claire claire um yeah Claire Higgins. Claire yes. Higgins. Yeah, as Julia. I think mm-hmm. she's great. And I think the fact that, you know, you shared that she doesn't like horror movies and hasn't been able to watch this entire thing is so fascinating because she's so good in it. Yeah. Like, she's actually so, so good. And I'm giving a little tip of the old favorite scene, but like, there, I'll save it, but there is a scene that's just her that I that is easily my favorite scene. Yeah. Um, She's just, she's so good. She's and very that's good in this. What's and, so and, crazy to me that she can't slash won't watch the entire thing because she's actually tremendous in it. And I think she gives so. like the character a real arc. And, you know, this is yeah. Clive Barker's first directorial debut. So, and he will admit that he's was like 
you know, very nervous and didn't know what he was doing and really needed a lot of help from the cast and crew to make it through because he wasn't really aware of what he was doing. So I have to think, and this is me speculating, but I have to think that a large part of Julia's arc, the sort of like, should I be doing this? Should I not? Like all that kind of stuff, I think is probably what I would have to imagine was sort of left up to Claire to mm-hmm. sort of build. Yeah. And I think she does a tremendous job in this movie of yeah. like giving you like a character you kind of like, and then you see she does kind of like, mm-hmm. she. I guess she kind of likes bad boys, I guess, yeah. with shitty tattoos. And then she kind of like is drawn to that sort of danger part of it and the way she sort of embraces that part of it. Like there's so much of her performance that is like, it's terrific. And it's one of the things that I love for it as well. Also loved that she wears a legit negligee because <laughs> in the movies we Hell watch yeah. on this podcast, not everybody wears a legit negligee. Oh, Sometimes they God. wear some, <laughs> Sometimes they wear boosty. Yeah, oh, that's right. No. That's right. Sometimes oh, they wear no. this thing called ling- lingerie. Oh, Jesus. Lingerie? Lingerie. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, oh, so again, obviously the effects, the effects of this movie are the long lasting. So when I saw this and Mark showed this to me, the thing that I could never get out of my head besides uh, Claire Higgins, because I think her performance is just so stellar that it's just, a, it's just, you can't forget her performance, but it, it, a lot of the effects in this, the yeah. transfer, the retransformation scene, which I will tip uh, to my favorite scene of Frank coming out of the floorboards and reforming is like, it's still to this day just a fantastic uh sequence and it's actually you know you have to give it up to to new world because new world um they actually shot most of that sequence after they had finished uh production so they went back and did reshoots to do that retransformation scene and new world actually gave them more money to do it because they were like i think you need a little bit more there and in the commentary, Clive Barker was like, I don't know what we would do without the scene here or what we would have done. But they had not initially shot that. Don't forget the additional money New World ponied up for the watch and wear offer, too. <laughs> well, we'll get there, Justin. We're going to get there. Don't you worry. Um, yeah. So that's I just loved uh, those those things. I mean, I mean, to watch this movie, uh, as you guys were saying, in 1987, horror was like kind of doing a, the same thing. And. I had not seen people without their skin walking around and wearing clothes, smoking cigarettes. It was all just very like, oh my god! And the and the, the makeup just looks incredible. It still looks yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, let's go around things we hated. Justin, was there anything you hated in this? I mean, Ashley Lawrence's baggy white T-shirt for half the film. <laughs> <laughs> that dirty, that dirty white T-shirt. Uh. You mean? Oh, yeah. She gets that thing filthy. Bad choice. Bad choice. I mean, she, she makes could, a lot I wish of bad she had, choices. Uh, you know, taking some more fashion tips from Julia. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. But not hairstyles. I, I appreciate her hairstyle a little bit more than uh, than Julia. Uh, anything else, Justin? <clears throat> That's about it. Mark, something you hated? Uh, the. <clears throat> The hospital hallway monster that turns out to be the ending monster in it. Oh, yes. Uh, on on yes. the era Blu-ray, you can see yeah. the wheels of the cart pushing it down the hallway. <laughs> and it just, it's the weakest special effect of the whole movie. Yeah. It looks like, more like um, like a dumb 1950s monster movie yeah. kind of effect. And I'm like, I mean, you had so much of this movie look so good. And then that looks so latexy and plasticky and stupid. 
that I'm like, you could have actually just cut all that shit out, and this movie would have been just as good. It's one of the ending moments, too, as if the reemergence of that character made us feel like, oh, shit. She dispatched everyone else, but this monster's back? What now? But it's not. You're like, this is the worst. The monster is actually called the Engineer, which is going to be a shock to anyone, because why on earth? But that's apparently what that monster's called. It doesn't make any sense. The monster's terrible. It looks awful. Um, it is the it is also the thing I hated as well. So I'm I'm simpatico with you on this one, Mark. That but one was I, just I, like, I, what is <laughs> this? Why do we care? Why is this included? And when it shows up at the end, it reinforces my point that some guys will do anything to get laid. <laughs> this thing attacks Steve and Kirsty, and then she blows it up and Steve is nonplus. Yeah. He does. He's not. He never turns to her and is like, what the fuck was that? Right. What the fuck right. is happening? He's like, keep it cool, dude. And you're going to get back in that twin bed. Just keep it cool. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> well, he was so thrown that Kirsty didn't say anything about that multicolored square shirt that he was wearing. That mm. he was like, God, did she not notice this brand new shirt that I bought? Just I bought it just just for her to. I she hasn't said anything. She said nothing about the yeah. shirt. I don't I understand. By, I swung I swung by Mervin's on the way over here and picked <laughs> right. this bad boy this, up. This was on sale at Chess King. The salesperson assured me that this is what ladies were into. They assured me. <sighs> Erica, okay, Erica. Something that you hated about Hellraiser. Um, in general, I hate Hellraiser. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, now, to date, as as of this recording, I've only seen Hellraiser 1 through 8. So, um, eight times I've hated Hellraiser. Oh, yeah. And I, But I think what I hate most of all is um, the movie poster. He'll tear your soul apart. Because mm-hmm. I saw a lot of points where he was tearing bodies apart. Mm-hmm. And but he, he, he mentions ripping bodies apart, he and I just feel like he, he does mention it. it is a threat. I mean, it's a threat, but all I saw was body parts being torn apart, so it feels like an empty threat. You should but contact he, consumer. You should contact consumer affairs, Erica, for should, false you know advertising. What? I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you, Justin. Yeah. You know what? He actually was talking about um, her Kia soul, and. <laughs> He was just saying, oh, no. he was just going to tear that apart. There was oh, no, no. Kia Souls in 1987, oh, no. but I don't know. It worked. All right. Um, so that's all you managed. Just that's it. That's all you. Well, I'm trying to keep it polite. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it respectful. All right. Do let's go Frank to. kept it respectful? <laughs> At times. <laughs> uh, let's go to favorite scenes. Justin, what was your favorite scene? Definitely uh, the Frank seduction of Julia. There's a lot going on there. It's well acted, well played. Basically, my favorite scene for sure. Wow. 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 I'm a romantic at heart. What can I say? Yeah. (laughs) Get out the Polaroid. Time to get romantic. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yep, she did really want that dirty D. Dirty D, Frank's Dirty D, Dirty D. I have to change the way this sounds. Copyright. <laughs> oh, Mark, what was your favorite scene? Well, I, I would say my the impulsive favorite scene is definitely when Frank is reincarnated because it looks so damn good. And yeah, 
so interesting. Yeah. yeah, but I also have to say the scene I think right before that or after that, which is the dinner scene, because I mean, first of all, it starts with it starts with uh, the dad making a Joseph Mangala joke. <laughs> like that kills it at dinner parties. He's talking about being at the doctor. He's like stabbing at me like like it's Joseph Mangla, and they're all like, <laughs> "I'm like, ooh, that's not a good joke." Mm. Then you have Steve who's like flipping a cigarette into his mouth and then yeah. back out, and then then and and uh, the response from Percy being like, "Oh, dude, I want to bone you." Mm-hmm. Versus being like, "Oh my God, are you hurt? Like, what does your mouth taste like right now? That's got to be awful." Yeah. And then they cut back to the, the guests who have been listening to this Joseph Mengele joke, and the and the presumably the wife or the or the older woman just goes, "Doctors," and that's it. That's yeah. all she says. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this scene I could watch many times over. There's a lot to unpack here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is it is a weird weird dinner party. Yeah, yeah, uh, really weird. It's a classic wish- cotton dinner party. <laughs> Uh, Erica, what was your favorite scene? Oh, favorite scene. Thanks for asking, Ryan. My favorite scene I alluded to earlier um, is when right after Julia makes her first kill for Frank and she's in the bathroom looking in the mirror and she's like starting to clear clean blood off of herself. And at Mm -hmm. first she's kind of freaking out, washing her hands, being like, oh, my God, what do I what have I done? And you see her kind of like process it for a minute and not be so freaked out. And then you see that she's kind of maybe into it or mm-hmm. in some way she's okay with it. I just think it's so, it's such a great moment that isn't often, um, isn't often had in slasher films or in horror movies like that, where you have a character that makes, cause that's a pretty dramatic turn. Like no matter how much she was into him and no matter how much she's like, okay, you're back from the dead. I'll kill for you. Then she actually does it. And so to give her that moment to yeah. kind of realize that and process it and to be okay with it. I just think it's brilliantly acted. She does a great, it's yeah. great. It's yeah. easily my favorite scene because, and it's a crucial scene because, it's like so that, that, you that see the turn is the for bridge her. to yeah. her then killing for him. And yeah, to to have that, and it's not. And there's nothing written about it. It's just purely yeah. in her performance that yeah. makes you, you know, that you cross that bridge. Just yeah, purely Agreed. in her performance. That's Plus, my it's scene. like it's so rock and roll. She asked her husband to get her a brandy after her first kill. Yes. She's like, give me a brandy. Let's get me a drink. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I think the whole thing, it's so great. Yeah. yeah. Easily yeah, my favorite team. After, after that, she went down to the mall and got her ears pierced. <laughs> no, she did not go that no, far. she did not. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> then what would she do with all those uh, all clip-on, clip-on yeah, yeah, That's the, fair. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to final questions. These are our final questions for Hellraiser. Um, guys, this is uh, a little personal question, but you know when Larry cuts his hand from the huge nail on the wall from the bed he shouldn't have been bothering to move in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, he's a complete baby about his hand bleeding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you are a complete baby about? No. <laughs> <laughs> I no, can, ba- I can back that up. so many things. No, that, uh, well, for one, blood is a thing. I know well, that you. Cannot. But my own blood. Yes. I'm a, I'm a, okay, that's fair. I'm a baby about my own blood. 
literally tonight, our son was like, I have a nosebleed. And he like brought his bloody, gross, gruesome tissue over. And I was like, yeah, I've seen it. Whatever. <laughs> but if that was my own nosebleed, I'd be like, somebody help me. My nose. Blood's coming out of it. Like I would just fall apart. Uh, she is like not only not freaked out by somebody else's blood. She's also completely disinterested. <laughs> <laughs> and dismissive yeah. of somebody yep. else's I'm like, blood, yeah. blood by, by your story. Yeah. Um, uh, Justin, anything uh, anything that you're kind of a baby about? Uh, when people try and screen anything and pan and scan. <laughs> In 2021, when people have like, oh, I got this DVD, it's pan and scan. And they don't even know about widescreen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think I feel like there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that are going to be uh, in total agreement with you on that one. Um, most of all, myself, Mark, <laughs> Mark, uh, anything that you're kind of a baby about? Um, pretty much when my cupboard is disorganized and like the cereal is with the soup and the pastas with the chips and the oatmeal is over with the spices, I pretty much lose my shit. So that's that old caterer blood. Scott doesn't make sense. I would never cut it in the catering business. Doesn't make any sense in the catering world. It is inefficient. (laughs) Catering is all about efficiency. That's right. That's right. Um, Ryan, anything you're a baby about, or did you want me to chime in? Or (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you could give a thousand things that I'm kind of a baby about. Um, I'm definitely a baby when I think, and I think this is actually for a lot of guys. But when I'm not feeling well, like it, it is a, you know, it's it's far worse than it actually is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, time stops. For I'm, I'm really, I really pull a, a, a Paul Rudd in uh, Wet Hot American Summer when I'm <laughs> when I'm sick. Like, oh, like what? I have to wash a cup or any you know, any little thing. Can you please mm-hmm. give me a glass of water? Like it's just you know, I'm out you, of brandy. <laughs> I, I never get any. Um, yeah. And quite frankly, when she asked for that brandy, look, all the the contro is like completely gone. <laughs> Kirsty drank it all. It's gone. <laughs> Good luck with that. He snuck her a Drambuie and was like, oh, she will know. <laughs> She'll never know the difference. Um, okay. The first time Julia re- remembers kissing from meeting Frank and then kissing him, Frank ends up going straight for her chin, putting her whole chin in his mouth as, as a first kiss. Has anyone ever tried this move? On me? No, because they would spear themselves and they would be immediately choked on this chin. You kidding me? On this monster? Forget it. Has anyone tried that move? It really is not something I remembered. And watching it several times for this podcast, I was, I can't not, I can't unsee it now. No one? No No one's trying? No. No. It's a unique move. No one even wants, no. no, no one wants to admit that they've tried this move. Well, no, no, I mean, that, I mean we're married is... to each other, and it would also apply if I went for your chin, I would also be choked out. I just can't believe that a as a move. Yeah. Not only... Well, that, that's another sign that this movie was shot in England. <laughs> <laughs> that's the English kiss. Where they snog and they chin. <laughs> that's a proper snog. That's, that's right. a proper snog. That's right. And you put the whole chin in your mouth. Um. So when... Uh, when Frank takes Larry's skin and puts it on himself, I can understand how that happened. Okay, I'm willing to go there. Mm-hmm. How does he also take his vocal cords? 
Yeah. Mm. How does that work? Mm. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I guess he swallows them like a pill. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 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 You, I'm sorry, did you want a logical answer or were you looking for just were we just brainstorming on I'm this? Just thinking I'm thinking Skinner's sure. Frank taking those vocal cords out and just being like, well, gulp. Oh, um by the way, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Frank, who is played by Sean Chapman, skin on. He's played by Oliver Smith skin off. Mm-hmm. And also, Andrew Robinson, as I mentioned, but also by an unknown voice actor. Oh, who that's me. Over it was me. Voice. And uh, I've tried to look up who that actor was. And well, granted, I didn't do this for, you know, an endless amount of days. Uh, I just tr- could not find out who it was. So I would just like to take a quick moment. Uh, does anyone have anything to say about the guy uh, to the guy that dubbed <laughs> over Frank's voice? Maybe it was um, Clive. Maybe that's why it's uncredited. Maybe maybe Clive handled it. Clive was not happy that New World uh, asked for everybody's voices to be dubbed. Oh, so then he it was probably Roger. Like Roger dubbed it. <laughs> he was like, "We got to save money here." But on that on that <clears throat> note, um, my question was, why didn't they just have Sean Chapman do an American accent to begin with? So they had to have somebody else dub his voice. But aren't he and Andrew Robinson brothers? Why maybe, would he have an English accent to begin with? Maybe Why did they his, shoot? Maybe his American accent was crap, and he was like, hey, guys, <laughs> Julia, let's go. <laughs> Ryan, you're going very Jim Garrison on Hellraiser right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. I uh, His voice wasn't deep enough to Erica's point. Maybe that was it. And yeah. also, I mean, New, they World, still... New World loved to overdub someone's voice. Someone's voice had to sure. be overdubbed. They, sure. they, yeah. had, they had a union crew of overdubbers that were like, listen, sure. this movie came in. You know, contractually, I have to, yeah. I have to do one overdub. They need overdub. those health insurance weeks. But I mean, when I was yeah. watching the, the, the director's commentary, Clive is like, and here's, you know, Sean Chapman as Frank with a dubbed voice. And I'm like, but why would you have him do an English voice anyway? When his his brother is an American, how does that work? Granted, we've never never you never see the Cotton Brothers together in a single scene. Well, also, which is why never, that prequel it, would it be has so never amazing. happened that you've had one brother raised in one country and another never happened. Another that never, never happens. happens. Does not. So happen. you could never explain that away. Correct. Correct. Ever in a million Correct. years. Maybe that was the sex appeal, like. You know, Larry smelled like an old house, and then Frank came in and he smelled like delicious fish and chips. And so she was just like, mm. "Yum, yeah, yum." She's like, "Let mm. me get some." So uh, Julia is bringing victims for Frank to drink. I guess yeah. at one point yeah. you, sl- you hear a slurping sound, like somebody's sucking through his. He's sucking them. He's sucking them. He's sucking them off. He's sucking them off through the chin. Oh, I-, I think we maybe talked about this earlier. By the time Kirsty discovers Frank, he still doesn't have any skin yet. How far away were they? I think Mark mentioned they were like, were they only one away? How many more victims did Frank need before he was completely re-transformed? That, that's fuzzy math. I mean, Larry, also how- Larry is the last victim. Yeah, yeah four. Yeah, he is. But Larry he doesn't finish them but off. Larry, but he doesn't. T- he takes Larry's skin, though, right? I mean, he takes. He cuts yeah, but Larry. He, he like. He, like, he cuts whatever, Larry's skin off and puts Larry, it on him. But he devours Larry for the most part, doesn't he? 
Yeah, but he really puts Larry's has... skin on. Wouldn't he re- have his own skin on, or is he? Wouldn't like? I, oh, wouldn't I see his what own, you're saying. No, because I think he, no. Then he would have needed one more, which is why they had to kill, or they were going to try to kill Kirsty right. to get right. one to get one uh, more, okay. so that he yes. would get his right face. Yeah. Okay. Because I felt like yeah. when he put on like Larry's skin, it was just like, well, shit. He was just showing off. No, well, uh, Kirsty is how he gets his tattoo back. <laughs> he's really dedicated to that tattoo justin yes so true so, yeah question though but when he's sucking off all the other guys <laughs> okay does he also get their jizz wow wow hmm you're 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 gonna keep this one in this is you want us to answer this one this is something you want a legitimate answer to you would like us all the way in i would like an answer to my question you have five seconds to answer you will answer the question just saying just saying looking at those bodies all of it's been sucked off i mean crunch the numbers on it i don't know Oh, Justin, crunch those answer? numbers. Yeah, crunch them. Right. We're all we all just want you to crunch that number yeah. yourself. I would I will go so far as to say I think he's probably drinking whatever whatever juices they got. I think I'll have get what it he's all. having. I think you get it all. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's get into some research. Um, Hellraiser, as Justin mentioned, is released in September September eighteenth, nineteen eighty seven. Um, preceding uh, Hellraiser was Hell House 2, the second story mm. in August. We sort of went over some of this uh, a little bit when we were talking about Slugs, because Slugs comes comes in 1988 or early 1988. So we were sort of talking a little bit about the end of 1987, which is when uh, Hellraiser comes out. Killing Time follows Hellraiser in October 1987. Um, Flowers in the Attic and the sports drama Heart are also in November. Hmm. And then December is Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night. Uh, wow. A filmation, animated film that they released on Christmas. Do we have to watch that? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Mark, Mark still doesn't get, two years in, he does not get what this podcast is all about. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's We've... really focused on if they get all the jizz, if Frank got all the jizz. <laughs> he's, he's got he's a gonna... lot of unanswered questions. He is going to lose sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah. Did he drink all the jizz of the guys? I, I I've got to know. Dear Clive, clickety-clack, clickety-clack. <laughs> Dear Clive, happy birthday, I... number one. Also, secondarily. <laughs> <laughs> Important cue. <laughs> <laughs> Soup's important cue. Does Frank suck all the blood and the jizz? Get back to me when you can. Happy birthday. <laughs> Love Mark. <laughs> um, so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about New World because I was trying to do a bunch of research for this. It's hard. Hellraiser is pretty well known. And we talked a little bit about this in the Slugs episode. I will say this. I, I, I would love to hear your take on this, Justin, because I mentioned in Slugs that like they get a hit at least somewhat with Hellraiser enough that they go on to part two and they attempt to do part three, but the, the, the whole company is in turmoil at that point, but the right. movies that they had come out. Now I'm just mentioning the stuff that came out theatrically. I think in slugs, I also mentioned a lot of stuff that also came out like on video and, and into 1988. And it's such a just slew of random stuff that I just think that like, they were not prepared that Hellraiser was going to be what it was. And their slate that they had coming at the end of 87 and early 1988 is just so random and slapshot 
It's it, I wish they had had Slapshot. That would have been a good one. It just just seems like they just are like flailing about at this point. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's sort of a trick question though because of the whole marketing campaign they launched last minute for the for the home video release. Well, we'll, we'll they, get to that. We're going to get to I that. Know, we, but we, we, it's we, hard to get it not get into that talking about the rest of the slate of films because that could be part of the problem was that this movie was a hit okay. and they didn't have another hit to follow it up with. They had all Correct. this other crap in the can. Yeah. Yeah. It took an entire year to release after this. You're forgetting. Uh, I mean, the, the, the crap they put out after this movie was unprecedented. <laughs> yeah, they, 1988 is, 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 is rough. No, it's not that slugs. <laughs> they also had the wrong guys in dead heat. Oh, they did. They did. And they gave both those films the the dome presentation in San Jose, by the way. Those uh, both played at the Century uh, Domes. Oh, wow. Dead Heat. I, I, I will accept Dead Heat, but the wrong guys, no. No. Yeah. That, that yeah, should this, not have this happened. Some, well, we'll get into 88. We've, we've dipped a little bit into 88, but we'll get back there. Um, New World also is responsible for bringing in Christopher Young. Um, initially, uh, Christopher Young, who does the score. Mm -hmm. And I think this is another movie that definitely benefits from this kind of score. I would also always, I always think about Candyman really owing, I think, a lot of its success, A, to Tony Todd, but also to that score. I think that score for Candyman is just like so interesting and adding sort of like a horrific uh, situation with this very orchestral sort of score, Mm -hmm. I think really actually marries very well. Mm -hmm. But initially... And a lot of people maybe know this, and certainly if you if you own the Arrow Blu-ray, you'll know this too. But I think it's worth mentioning that initially Clive Barker wanted to have the band Coil do the music for the uh, the movie, and they even went about putting together some ideas and put together some demos, um, which uh, New World summarily rejected and said, "No, we're we're not. We're going to go with Christopher Young. Forget all this." But I thought, hey, look, why not? We should might as well take it for those that don't know. Uh, and maybe have not heard it. We, I thought we might play the main theme for the movie as written by Coyle. decided to dub all the voices luckily they didn't dub over julia i'm glad they didn't do that um here's a little bit of what i did find from an article from the guardian with clive barker talking about new world's involvement so this is a quote from him he said initially new world couldn't care less then about halfway through the six-week shoot they said we're coming over robin vigin my director of photography said i've seen this a million times they see something they like and they want to take charge Three of them came over, all in new Burberry coats. 
Robin and I changed the schedule, so we were doing something incredibly bloody. One of them have uh, one of them may have got their Burberry coat sla- splashed, and they fled after 15 minutes. I didn't get bothered by them again until later on. They got us to re- relocate the story to America and overdub some of the accents, which I didn't feel great about because the original story had been so English. The American censors gave it an X rating, and to get an R, we had to take some spanking out of the flashback scenes and shorten some of the violence. New World gave it a worldwide release, and it made $33 million. Wow. So that's a little bit of a return on investment. Not bad. Not bad. Crunch those numbers. I don't need to. 900,000 pounds into $30 million. That's pretty darn good. Throw in maybe another million for marketing. That's still a hell of a return on your investment. It's a shame that... It's a shame they were so in the hole financially at that point that it was like even that was a drop in the bucket. Yeah, but Mark, Mark, and I keep trying to get here, and I know we won't. Some no, we're about to get their, here. We're about to get their, here. How much of their profits did they throw into the watch and wear promo? Yeah. So look, Justin brought this to me, and so uh, I, I need to give Justin full credit. But they, when they release this movie on VHS, they've already made their 33 mil. They're like, we've got it. We've got a huge success on our hands, as Justin was saying. They've got to milk this thing for all it's worth. So, uh, on now, correct me if I'm wrong with any of this, Justin. <laughs> Just like Frank. <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's right. You got to milk it for all the juices. Amongst other things that Mark's interested in. So they started this watch and wear merchandise promo that was on the early VHS releases, which basically is Justin. What? What? Tell tell the setup. What's the setup of this watch and wear? Just just the, describe the, what they might see a little bit of. Basically, before the film starts, there's this extremely low rent infomercial <laughs> that says, yes. "Stay tuned. Stay tuned." At the end of the movie, for we have, you know, merchandise to show you for Hellraiser that you're going to be interested in. It's this old it's, lady. It's this old withered lady with her cat. And they're like, oh, no, the, the shopping channel isn't on. I know you're sad, fake cat. It's, it's a, a young totally woman. Fake, yeah. It's a young woman dressed up as an old lady with yes, a stuffed animal yes. cat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's it's it's. <laughs> It's so low rent. I mean, this is like, this makes like tape heads look like they're doing fucking like, you know, Chevrolet commercials or something. I mean. So let's, let's listen to what that sounds like. There, there, Percy. I know you're sad because the shop at home club is off the air for tonight. But mommy's got a little surprise for you. Something new. Watch and wear video from New World. That's right, baby. At the end of this movie, there will be some great souvenir offers for us. Caps, t-shirts, satin jackets. Oh, I can hardly wait. What's the movie? Um, it's supposed to be scary, but we've seen scary movies before. Remember the Wicked Witch? This should be a so I'm just saying, Christmas is right around the corner. And I want wow. to satin jackets. Satin jackets. Yes. Or a cap. I, Would you like knew, a cap to go with Mark your negligee? Satin jacket. 
Oh, hell yeah, I want a satin jacket. So basically, this plays right before she's basically putting a videotape into a VCR. A top-loading VHS, A top-loading, yes. Wow. And putting it in, and, and, and this is, of course, going to be Hellraiser, she's alluding to. You watch the movie. At the end credits, as the credits are rolling, sidebar next to the credits, we go back to this old lady... And that's when we learn about this these amazing offers, this 1-800 number that you can call and order all these things. Here comes the watch and wear offer. Come on, Percy, over this way. Let's get you the phone. Stay chained in the screen, because here's what we have for you. Get hooked on a hell of a We want you to hang in there. Ooh. Ooh. A Hellraiser thermos for mug. They're like Why would you pour it down your tonsils? Down your tonsils. <laughs> Do you not know Hellraiser how to drink? Sweatpants and sweatshirts. Perfect Ooh. attire. Kinky. Even if you're up against the wall. A baseball cap might be just the thing to keep your brain. Ooh, break that wind. Break that wind with Pinhead. Windbreaker. <laughs> To help keep the chill off your bones. <laughs> the Hellraiser sports bag. Take it to your racquetball game. Ideal bag for your favorite thing. Yeah, there it is, Mark. There it is, Mark. Satin against your skin. You know you love this satin Hellraiser jacket. Here's how to order. We'll show each souvenir with its price and order number. Call toll free and use a credit card. Or send a check Hell. or money order to the address at the end of this offer. Don't forget, you can rewind or freeze How many people shove their VCR more time. Mark, pause the tape. Mark, I'm trying freeze to write down it. the address. Mark, pause the fucking tape. I want that satin. Guys, I want that third. Guys, hold part. on. How do we stop this? How do we stop this from playing? I need to stop and go back and get the number for that satin jacket. Damn, I want that thermos. Oh, this was like also this also like a tutorial on VCR use. Yeah, how oh. much was that jacket? Do you think? Shit, I'm going the, the, on the eBay. The prices are on there. The I'm going on eBay on right now to see if I can find that jacket. Oh, you're oh. never, Erica. I've tried for fucking thirty years. <laughs> Does it even exist? Oh, it's it's what I love about that. I've been trying to score one of those jackets since like 1987. Oh, what I love about it, besides the fact that they have such ridiculous items, I mean, they end. I, what I didn't show is they have a poster, like they have mm -hmm. a T-shirt, like those are things you sort of get. The satin jacket, the gym bag, the thermos, like some of this stuff is just ludicrous and hilarious. And but what also lo I love about the the watch and wear is the fact that the poor guy doing the voiceover. Has to make this sound still hellraisery. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Erica, get yourself stop. a gym bag for all your favorite <laughs> stuff. It's like it just sounds terrible. Erica, stop <laughs> looking on eBay. Just call the one eight hundred number. <laughs> what's the call What's it. the number? <laughs> Freeze the VCR. So wait, was this the thermos? I have no idea. It looks like it, yes. That looks like the thermos, yes. God. Yeah. Are you bidding? How much? How much is it going for? <laughs> yeah, bidding. do you got a bid on it? Um, Eric is just he... live looking for all this oh. stuff now. Now, Justin, when when you discovered that, did you would you discover that in time to order anything off of it, or no? Was it too late? 
yes, I couldn't get my parents to give me money to order all that shit. <laughs> I would have ordered every fucking item off that list. Didn't you tell them though that they could get a satin jacket? Like you could have all you could have all been rolling in satin jackets, you know? I tried, my friend. <laughs> wow. There's a tin Hellraiser lunchbox. Like imagine you just plop down at the lunch table and you just got Hellraiser just like, What's in the box, Mark? A peanut butter and jelly. Don't forget to use your napkin. Don't want Put a sticky some naked hand in, ma- in like, it. There's a fucking the teeth chatter sit a bite on the side. What a terrifying lunchbox. <laughs> We have such yogurts to oh. show you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. So you never got any of that stuff. So you've been searching ever since just to get any of those items. Wow. But the I jacket. just don't I do you do you guys recall any other movie? I mean, obviously lots of movies had merchandise. I guess I, I just can't I don't know of any other movie that had a merchandise sale yeah. this clunky. For an R-rated film, too. Right. Yeah. But also... There was no other film that tried to do this back then. And also, they invented the whole... You know when you watch a movie, like, on the FX network, and it's the second it ends, they just scroll the fucking credits through, like, in two milliseconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a commercial next to it. New World invented that with this watch and wear promo. Yeah. Even though this is, like, Clive Barker's big first VHS release... They they cut the credits off of this movie basically for this watch and wear bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I have to imagine think that- imagine what the watch and wear would have been for Nightbreed <laughs> <laughs> or Love Letters. Oh, I'm all for Lord of. Oh Illusion. my god! <laughs> I would have 100 percent bought all the merch for Love Letters. Oh Holy my gosh! Shit. Oh Nothing god. says I'm I'm having an extramarital affair like this Love Letters <laughs> Funko Pop. <laughs> crotchless panties (laughs) like these love letters car seat covers yeah i want a love letters lunchbox whatever they would be making (laughs) yeah i i just think too like they have to have been doing this in this 1-800 number style like you have to order it from us directly because they did not want to share because a regular movie is just going to like say, okay, we're going to get a, a certain percentage of these uh, of the profits on this merchandise, and we're going to go out to other vendors, and they will also get the profit on this. That's how you sell merchandise. Yeah. But clearly, New World was like, no, we want all the money. Yeah. We're going to set up a one eight hundred number that all everything's just going to go to us. We're not going to share this shit with anybody. But yeah. also, you have to order it on a fucking one eight hundred number, so you also just can't get it just if you wanted it. But didn't know about this offer. Well, you know? I mean, this is pre-internet, so it, right, it makes sense. Right. It's a one eight hundred number. I, I mean, look, what they should have made it a one nine hundred number though, where like yeah. head like answers the phone like two bucks yeah. a minute too. Like, <laughs> you want the gym bag? Or, you know, like keeps you on the phone for like ten fucking minutes to get like a twenty dollar phone bill. I, give, I need that number again. It, the credit card did, was declined. Can you? Oh, that's seven five. I put five seven. I, that's oh, me. Wait, I wait that. Wait, don't don't go, baby. I'm just about to get started. <laughs> what do I have to do to convince you to buy a thermos? <laughs> okay, yeah. Ryan. Ryan, did you take it one step further and Google Earth the address, though? No, I did not. Did you? I did. <gasps> yes. Oh. Yes. Justin, my man, what did you find out? 
I found out that it's like this shitty like strip mall out in like in, in <laughs> Illinois or Indiana or wherever <gasps> Elk Village is. And it, the buildings Elk are Grove? still there. Is it Elk Grove? It's in, it's in, that's it's in like Illinois. It's like Elk Village, Illinois or something. Yes. Where is it? I'm going to send a family member there immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, there's like, that... there's like merchandise, like, uh, you know, like, uh, like cargo, like cargo storefronts where they are probably still shipping crap out. Wow. Wow. Do you, wow. do you so they, think that there is like a storage unit somewhere with just filled with satin jackets oh of Hellraiser? God, I hope well, so. that's what I'm that's what I was that's alluding to. Is like I don't know. That's I'm thinking road trip. <laughs> Let's do it. We gotta. <laughs> we have to get some cameras and just document this documentary of us trying podcast, to find the, the old. Four of us, the four of us <laughs> driving cross country to the warehouse where the shit was being shipped out of. And, and try let's, to see let's if we can deep. get this let's watch and wear. Hold on. Hold on. We don't need to twin bed it across the country. We can fly to Chicago. <laughs> no. Nope. We're twin no, bedding We're twin betting this, dude. Twin That's bedding, the Hellraiser dude. way. But then we time it right and we pick we 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 swing by that wherever the storage unit or wherever that warehouse is. And then we go hit the Milwaukee Metal Fest like we've been talking about yes! for 20 fucking years. <laughs> We're doing it. Wow. Well, Hellraiser. Justin, any final thoughts from you? Besides the road trip out to the where they were shipping the merchandise out from? That's a pretty big final fucking thought. So I'm going to end with that right there. <laughs> do you, how often have you, do you watch this movie? Do you watch this one once a year like you do like Elvira and other New World hits? I watch part two once a year. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so part two to you is is better than the first one. Correct. How okay. often often do you watch part eight? I've never went past three, except I tried with Ryan. We went to the the drive-in in, in San Francisco at the Geneva drive-in to see Bloodline, mm-hmm. and the fucking marquee they ran out of L, so it said Hez Razor Bloodline right. on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, we mostly spent time just like eating popcorn, drinking beer, and shooting the shit. So I don't even remember seeing the film. And Ryan didn't even remember being no. there when I brought it up. Justin so, actually uh, texted me while we were watching Bloodline, Eric and I, and said Hez Razor. And I was like, how funny we're watching Bloodline. He was like, that's the movie we saw at the drive-in. I was like, I have no memory of this. <laughs> I do not recall. Us do- I, don't- I do recall Hez Razor because we've been doing that bit for like forever. Mm-hmm. But I have forgotten that that was a thing. It must Legend of the Fall must have been playing there at that time, and they used sure. all their L's for Legend of the Fall. Uh, I don't know if that syncs up your wise, but anyway, but uh, I remember after Hez Hell Razor, on Earth, I gave up on this whole franchise. But Bloodline, I had I do not recall any of it. Now we are watching this, and we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be ranking all of the Hellraiser films uh, in in another week or so. You're a prince uh, among men. Oh my god. <laughs> I, Erica is, in particular is a prince, <laughs> a real prince. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but Purple so, rain. In your I want to be that kind of prince. In your rankings of what you have seen of the Hellraiser franchise, how would you rank them? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but no two one three. But you don't include Bloodline. We saw that together, mm. Justin. How I dare fucking you? don't remember seeing it. I only know I was there because I have a picture so of you in front four. of the marquee. I have a picture four. of you in front of the marquee. There's photographic evidence. He keeps oh. it in a tin underneath his bed. And <laughs> <laughs> his little boudoir pictures of Ryan in front of marquees. In front of a marquee that says Hez Razor. <laughs> oh my god. 
That was uh, terrific. His wife went in, picked out that picture, and tore me out of it. Yeah. This kept Justin in there. But you were in a day. No, no, so just very no, no, she didn't. She yeah. tore you out and just kept the Hez razor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She only wanted to remember that. Okay. Well, Justin, thank you so much for joining us on this thank two you, year thank anniversary. You. Yes. Thank you, Justin, the for best. being here. Thank you, guys. I hope you got to talk about all the things you want to talk about, Hellraiser. I know this is a film that you love. We're going to have to have you back for other uh, New World films. Under the you... boardwalk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Under the boardwalk, for sure. Uh, I, just, I just put the uh, Under the Boardwalk uh, soundtrack on the other day, actually. Enigma. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, it, it was, it was, I got it off of eBay, and it was still in the shrink wrap. So I had to open it up. That's how fresh mine was too. I think yeah. nobody ever bought no, one. No, nobody ever bought them. They I've were only the seen same. it shrink wrap. They, I'm it was serious. In that, it's in that. It's in that same cargo thing where they have all the Hez Razor <laughs> satin it's jackets. It's Elk all Village? out in Elk Grove. We got to go out there so we can find all. It's all Hellraiser gear and just tons of Under the Boardwalk LPs. Yeah, let's. And go. Mark, we got to get you a copy of Under the Boardwalk LP. Uh, I'll pick one up right after I get my thermos. <laughs> yes. I want that thermos. Uh, but thank you, Justin, for being here. Um, uh, you can, uh, that's it for us with Hellraiser. Um, though we're also, like I said, ranking the Hellraisers. Um, we've, this is our third week in uh, of October. So we hope you've been enjoying some of our other spooky stuff this month, including Ghost Town and our favorite horror franchises. Rate and review us if you get a chance to, wherever you'd like to rate and review us. Um, even if it's just, uh, you know, on a, a census form that you didn't fill out, but you have left over and you want to use it for something, rate and review us on that. We're going to set up a 1-800 number and you can call and rate and review <laughs> yes! us there. Oh, God. Can That's we how that? we should sell our merch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yes. That's get, how we should. You can get a pit dick shirt, but yes. you have to call Kitty's favorite 1 800 number. <laughs> oh, shit, I see a stuffed cat in my oh, future my and some old lady makeup. Yes, a 1 800 number. Call our 1 800 number. Order, <laughs> leave us a message. Um, we'll have to get that up on the, on the Twitter and on uh, Instagram very soon, which you can find us there. So find us there, follow us. And uh, 